Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God and Independent RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, joined as always by Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We have snow on the ground for the first time in the year. Hooray! Yeah, it makes me think of Charlie Brown's Christmas. Uh, and I'll be talking like the Charlie Brown teacher any moment now. <laughs> it's more like the Star Fox characters. <laughs> Wait, Woody Woodpecker? (laughs) 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 And that voice is Eric Van Allen, my equally lovely co-host. There's there's no snow here. There can't be snow here again. We'll all die. Uh, We need snow to not come here. (laughs) I'll have a talk with snow. (laughs) Yes. I was just going to say there was a news release from like ERCOT recently that was like, well, if it snows in, in Texas again, uh, we might be all screwed. That's just how it's going. And it's I was just like, how it's cool, going to be great. Oops. We didn't see Eric, this planet from Wisconsin. Teach coming. them how to not have pipes burst. It's not. It, well, OK, pipes bursting are actually a problem down here, but it, it's also just the power grid just decides to stop working. And for some reason, yeah. Texas decided to not let other people help us in times of need because texas i still don't understand why our grid is built the way it is shout outs to ERCOT. <laughs> pretty amazing well this week on acts of the blood god we have a lot to discuss including we're going to have a special guest for our main segment it's matthew salisbury generous supporter of acts of the blood god who's going to join us to talk about Darkest Dungeon 1 and 2. We already recorded the segment. Talked a little bit of Sweet Coden too. We also talked about Final Fantasy. A little, there was a little Distant Worlds uh, mention. It's a great conversation. That is coming up really soon. We'll also be talking about the Baldur's Gate 3 epilogue, the Fallout TV show trailer, and of course, we'll be doing a quick little preview of the Game Awards. That is all coming up in this episode. But first... If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We had an incredible year. Our podcaster rap just came in for Spotify. And we're like 67% up on listenership this year, which is amazing. That's so that's so cool. We've, uh, we've been doing really well, and it's all thanks to you. Thank you so much, our dear, loyal listeners. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Cabot. Now he's at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at CMoosey, though. For as long as that platform is going to last, I think the GTA 6 trailer might finally finish it off, God willing. We shall see. <laughs> That'd be the funniest shit in the universe. Look, we we got we got Kissinger dying uh, night on Twitter. That's all we actually wanted. That's all we it actually needed. It was fun. That, that was the swung song. Anytime I think of Kissinger, <laughs> I think of the glasses in the toilet. And it's like, I know he's a monster, but just like, I feel like remembering him for glasses in a toilet is so much funnier and more degrading than remembering him for war crimes, even. <laughs> He's dead! <laughs> <laughs> no one must know I dropped my glasses in the toilet. Uh, if you enjoy the show, we have tons of merch at shop.bloodgodpod.com including new t-shirts, a new Nadia's Nostalgia Pit t-shirt, a Warm hoodie for people since it's the winter time and it snows in places, I guess. And also, uh, if you missed the year two pins the first time around, they're available in the shop right now. You can buy one and we will ship it to you. 
And of course, we have all of our other merch, including our lovely Acts of the Blood God mugs. I love mine. It's incredible. We got a couple of those in there. And there may be more soon. Stay tuned. And that's shop.bloodgodpod.com. Great gifts for the holidays. And finally, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where if you support the pod at just $1 a month, you'll get access to the show ad-free, and you'll get access to our Discord, and you'll get to vote in the Pantheon poll, which just wrapped up. Eric, who is the winner of our community chosen games. Can, can I count down the games that were in this? Because for those who, who were not listening, we did something different this month with mm, the Pantheon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was Kat's great idea that we have the listenership. It's a gift to the community. It's the holidays. We have the listeners. So normally when we put a Pantheon poll out, we kind of curate a selection of games based around a theme or an idea. Uh, we put four games out and everyone votes on them. And we said, what if this time the listeners vote on what games are in the poll and then on the poll itself? A little double vote there, both hands on the wheel. Uh, the entire, the the whole, all the nominations, open nominations, any game that cleared, like got three nominations, got through to the final poll. There were 67 unique games, including, well, it would have been 70 if not three of those games were ones that we've already done Pantheon. <laughs> <laughs> entries on so some of y'all need to catch back up on the backlog <laughs> Get but, yourself up. uh 67 games tons of votes uh the ones that got three nominations or more made it through to the final poll we're gonna count up at, at the bottom i'm sorry y'all golden sun the lost age only oh. got two percent of the vote very no. very sorry uh lost odyssey and trails in the sky second chapter both took in six percent Okay, it's doing okay. That's not doing bad. all right. Uh, Mother 3 came in at 10%. I'm a little surprised by that. I'm surprised Mother 3 has not made it through a poll yet. Uh, at 15% apiece, we have 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, and Dragon Age Origins. At 23%, Final Fantasy X-2. And then our winner at 24% of the vote, Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. That is our Pantheon game for this next month. Yeah, y'all got good taste. That, yeah. There's a already got the Dunban shirtless in the chat there. Way to go! <laughs> I love you, community. Uh, I kind of wanted to play Final Fantasy X too. I was looking for the girl power, but we'll get to that. I think. I think it's not too far away. How many Fun. times can Thirteen Sentinels get voted down? I love that it had such a strong drive, and then again loses. It'll keep coming back. All it right. It keeps coming back. It's a saying. Every time it's beaten down, it comes back stronger. We are going at this to point, play this I don't want to do. At this point, it's such a meme that this is going to lose in the Pantheon then. And honestly, it shouldn't. Uh, we we have a soft rule that we don't do games that came out. Uh, and it, it has to, A game has to have come out for five years uh, to really have Pantheon consideration. And no, I'm not consistent on this point. We kind of. I kind of came up with it after our Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oh, Unicorn Overlord. Pantheon. I forgot those words existed. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Two, yeah. two years from now, 13 Sentinels will make it in. <laughs> I right. agree. Okay. Maybe. On this date, let's mark it. Mark it uh, mark two it. years from now. Did that game seriously came out in 2020? 2020. Yep. Uh, God, it was so good. That's another. Point. I think that was another COVID game for me. And our next Pantheon episode is coming out this week. And we are going to be doing Dragon Quest Builders 2. And we got a great lineup. Who, who are we bring in, Nadia? 
we have uh, John Cartwright, it, providing everything goes right, uh, uh, and everyone, uh, you know, has every, all their everyone has their schedules together. Let's just say, and uh, this is a surprise. Brandon Jones, aka the the game trailer's voice guy. Now, who here's the thing. I've been playing Dragon Quest Builders 2, spoilers for the tavern, I suppose. And I was just saying on Twitter, oh man, this game is so great. We need Dragon Quest Builders 3, spoilers alert, you might get in the Pantheon, just just putting that out there. And uh, Eric retweeted it, and Brandon Jones was like, oh yeah, man, that's amazing. It's like, I've been trying to get Brandon Senpai to notice me for like my <laughs> entire online existence. And I'm like, Eric, are you friends with Brandon Jones? He's like, oh yeah, kind of. <laughs> Why don't we just invite him on the episode? Okay. Okay. Da, 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 da. I'd love I, to come I, on. I'm gonna embarrass I'm gonna embarrass Brandon a little bit. Uh when when young we Eric was starting out in the industry, uh I went to like a Call of Duty event and mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone there because when I started in the industry, like I was from ground zero and I also had not followed games journalism i didn't know like a lot of the personalities i knew the websites but i didn't know like names and faces because i was never really into games media in that way uh so i go to this event and i'm just kind of like i've got my little you know it's it's lunchtime and i've got my little meal and i'm looking for a place to sit down and uh one of the people i met Turned out to be Brandon Jones, nicest yep. person in the world. Uh, and then every time since I, I've seen him at events and stuff, I'm like, oh, how's it going and stuff? And yeah, years later, they're, they're like, oh, he's the games trailer guy and stuff like that. Oh, he was just a really nice dude that I met at an event. And you actually, and- uh, you did exactly the right thing creating the games writing, by the way. Just like go out there and network, meet people, say hi. Well, yeah, because I don't want to eat lunch by myself at the Call of Duty no, event. Oh, <laughs> that would be weird, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it was it was a good time. So, um, yeah, no, I was really happy that we managed to get schedules synced up because I think that's going to be a really fun uh, crossover of people. It'll be you, me, uh, John and Brandon. Everything goes right, hopefully. And uh, we'll just talk about Dragon Quest Builders, too. I'm very excited for this. Oh, uh, me too. Because, oh, I love be, Dragon Quest I'll, Builders. I'm looking Who forward to it. Please look forward to it, everybody. Please look forward to it. That'll be out this Wednesday. Okay, now it's time for our main segment, Darkest Dungeon 1 and 2 with Matthew Salisbury. Don't go away. Now we're joined by special guest Matthew Salisbury, generous supporter of Acts of the Blood God, who is joining us now to talk to us about Darkest Dungeon 1 and 2. Welcome to the pod, Matthew. Hi, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. First time, long time. Uh, Great to have you. First time, long time. I like that. That gets to the point. Yeah. Brevity is wit. <laughs> How long have you been listening to the show out of curiosity? Um, I feel like I definitely was here at the beginning of when you started the Patreon and I found it uh on through Retronauts. I I th- it had to be the Valkyrie Profile podcast. I think I heard you on it, uh, Kat. <laughs> yeah, you probably heard Kat on that and, one. <laughs> and I distinctly remembered, like, you you dropped this, like, factoid in there. And I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm checking out this podcast. It was, <laughs> uh, it was something about the voice of Ash was one of the characters in Valkyrie Profile. And I was like, yes, I know that fact. And then, <laughs> and then I started watching your podcast. I love that or that's watch, what brought you listen. to this show. Yeah. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate uh, having you. Tell us a little bit about your favorite RPGs in general and kind of your history with the genre. Uh, in general, I 
I kind of love all RPGs, at least all turn-based RPGs. And uh, I also, I've, I've been playing them since, I remember playing Final Fantasy 1, getting like a Nintendo Power in the mail and being like, I want this <laughs> game. And, yeah. And I think that kind of unlocked the type of RPGs I like, which are kind of more on the difficult side that you really got to like grind through. And I don't know, like... Uh, how I could find a more frustrating style of you know game to play <laughs> than I like obtuse RPGs. So uh, there's that. I generally I feel like I played almost everything for SNES uh, and uh, PlayStation, with a small caveat of for whatever reason Dragon Quest just fell through the cracks for me. Like not not that I didn't play, I'd never played it, and it just never. PlayStation on. Dragon Quest, like, did you try it and didn't like it, or you just found that it just slipped you by? Because PlayStation Dragon Quest was kind of a, a Final Fantasy definitely ruled that era. We'll just say that. Yeah, I think I think it was more that that uh, limited, you know, limited resources. I was in high school when PlayStation was out, yeah. so it was like, do you go with what you know, or do you try, you know, something else? <laughs> and your your uh, limited funds are on the line, so. Uh, but I definitely feel like that's one I'll come back to, but mm. I'll probably be on the shame pile for a while. <laughs> the old shame pile. Uh, we all know what the having a big shame pile is like. Over it's here. like, uh, have you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where Skinner's buried under the newspaper? That's, that's me and my <laughs> that's shame, <the> shame pile. <laughs> Dribble the basketball. <laughs> Dribble the yeah. basketball, eat the preserves. And then break that record. <laughs> what a fun game. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matt. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I I couldn't remember the rest of your question. I get a. Uh, oh, I was asking. Uh, what's your history with the genre? What's your favorite RPG? Mm. Oh, my favorite RPG. Oh, that's that's pretty difficult. Uh, I really I love the Sukoden uh, franchise. Mm. I've I played them all. I I like them all, even the bad ones, which really like uh, I think solidifies how much I like it. Uh, yeah, for sure. It, is it's like if you like the bad games, it's probably one of your I mean, favorites. I gave, all, I gave up after two, so you're more yeah. fat. You're, you're more genuine than I am. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, the staples: Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger. Those are, you know, just top tier, phenomenal. Uh, uh, I really enjoy Final Fantasy IX as well. Like, I just have like a soft. That's like my soft spot game where I'm like, I like this way more than I would have thought if you just pitched me the idea. Um, I also something like the I actually. Of- oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. But something I actually noticed about Final Fantasy IX lately is, uh, I, I feel like I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot lately, and I think that Uematsu, like that, is the soundtrack he had the most fun with. Like something about that that soundtrack just feels so effortless, and the way it ascended from Final Fantasy VII, which has a great soundtrack, but definitely doesn't sound as gen like as it's very midi sounding eight of course was like kind of in between weird progressive rock thing uh no offense cat and nine was just him just doing everything with every instrument the playstation could offer so yeah but what I just, about I just 10 interesting but what about to... final fantasy 10 he had Honestly, one put out the like door by 10 oh playstation yeah. one. okay 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 yeah oh, yeah okay. just the way he ascended okay. all right all oh right. 10 hey i got love for 10 i uh it's uh, I just um, what surprised me is I didn't want to, I didn't do any of the side content. I just kind of blasted through it, and I was like, oh, oh I, 
it's all end game side content, right? It all like takes place at the very end of the game. It's like very hardcore, like grind focused side content for sure. Right. Yeah. Like I didn't do Omega or fight Nemesis mm. or whatever. Yeah. I just, uh, I just, uh, just didn't latch on. But what you were saying about the FF9 soundtrack is, yeah, I, I totally agree. I feel like they, he reused the the theme a lot, the main yeah. theme throughout the, um game and it, it made it really cohesive overall the melodies of life theme oh yeah the melodies of life it just <laughs> yeah. melts my heart every time i hear it that and the overall theme like just uh i love that theme low-key melodies of life one of my favorite final fantasy songs period yeah same i uh um do you guys uh ever hear the distant worlds uh the orchestral oh um, yeah cds oh Is, yeah I've I've gone to a couple of those I've gone to a couple of those in Washington and uh, I've bought in all the CDs and they have a really good rendition of they do that. yeah yeah I've uh, been to the concerts whenever they come to Toronto I really want them to come back they're on tour right now and I'm waiting for an announcement come on yeah so Matthew uh, you wanted to talk about Darkest Dungeon yes an- another RPG that's near and dear to my heart um. so I'm I'm curious. Uh, I guess my first question is, what do you think of Darkest Dungeon 2? Are you a fan? Well, yes, I am a fan. And I also, I feel like uh, I got kind of um, sold early some through some weird quirk, loving Darkest Dungeon. My buddy somehow knows the, I think, one of the head creators, and I got a really early access. Wow. To, oh, cool. Like, like, yeah, it was like, oh, I have to... I have to sign an NDA and everything. Like, okay, <laughs> like Sweet. this is really early access. Like, we need to get you on the show more. You're our inside source in the darkest dungeon. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it's it's a trip to play games that. Have you played games in that early of access? They're I have. They're really, yes. Yeah, it's a I, real. I have tri- for like consultations and stuff for sure. They yeah, sure are something, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, because like you're leaving these notes that it, like sound like madness. Like the cart's acting funny check yeah. this scene or, or check this area of the why game. is it slowing down randomly uh What's mine was like on? flying in the air like, <laughs> i was like i go i don't think this is a, as intended like you haven't lived until you've clipped through the overworld it, mm, you can mm-hmm. avoid a lot of stuff that way though uh yeah it's true. There was, sorry there was a time i was previewing a game god cat you don't you won't remember this but you actually sent me to preview an assassin's creed game for game pro <laughs> uh, in in Montreal and Ubisoft, I bet I office. did. Was it Assassin's and, Creed uh, Two? It was Assassin's Creed something. It was the one where he got the hook. It must have been Brotherhood or something. Brother, it was one of the. It was, it was a side one. And uh, yeah, I was playing, and the developers like kind of sitting beside me, watching me play. And all of a sudden, just this army of Templars springs up <laughs> from the ground, like from dragon's teeth. There's like it just bing. And the guy beside me just like, oh, shit. And he takes his notebook and he starts scribbling. <laughs> so I just had the instantaneous Templars, like the Roman dragon teeth soldiers are pretty, pretty, pretty fun. Who doesn't <laughs> love instantaneous Templars? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. That's my band name now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I was like, there has to be a joke in there somewhere, but I couldn't. Uh... <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, I put... I think I'm at 130 hours in Darkest Dungeon 2. Wow. Okay. I, so does it live up to the original? N- no, but it is like I I really love uh like a game that 
like teach you you have to pay like i, I don't know what else to call it i keep saying obtuse but like trains you to play it you know mm. and i just really like that the some of the abilities seem awful and then you get like a cool trinket and you're like wait what if this and like the game wants you to exploit every resource in it to beat these bosses and i feel like when you beat like one of the have you beaten any of the bosses in darkest dungeon 2 i have not actually uh well i i found that a lot of people get really tripped up on the second one Mm. and when you beat that annoying of a boss i feel like it's magnitudes better than when you beat like a boss you've never seen before in another rpg and you're like oh i'll just try random spells oh that worked okay oh i beat him okay uh (laughs) cool like that's there's a certain amount of satisfaction but when you beat down when you like bully beat down like a really mean boss (laughs) he's curb stomping (laughs) yeah it's there's like an extra like you walk around with your like shoulders you know up you know like your shoulders back and your chest out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vince You're McMahon. Like, you walk like Vince McMahon. You want to tell like a random person in the store, like, you know what I did today? And they're like, get away from me. You're going to buy tampons, man. What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you about the second boss in Darkest Dungeon 2. Uh, uh, security, help. <laughs> help. <laughs> Can I tell you the good word about the insanity meter in Darkest Dungeon? <laughs> You see, Man, the trick this is a shopper's is, drug mart. Yeah. The trick is you have to hit the back row of the boss. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Darkest Dungeon 2, yeah. very different, as we already mentioned, from the original. So the original was more of a, there's a hub and uh, there's a hub area and then there's some dungeons, uh, dark, very dark dungeons, actually. <laughs> quite dark, and you have a, a party of characters who wander into your town. And some are better than others, for sure. And you can steadily build them up over time, level them up, get new skills for them. You have to grind a lot to get good skills for them. And you're repeatedly going down into the dungeon. Um, and the thing is, with these dungeon crawls, the they can go wrong at any time. One of the compelling moments, certainly in the original game, was that you may be in a moment where suddenly things turn against you and your sanity meters, which was a very fresh concept, I think, at the time, uh, can start getting way too high. And once one of your characters breaks sanity, they'll start doing bad things like moving randomly in the rows or deciding that they're not going to do things or literally attacking one of your other characters. (laughs) Yeah. There is actually that, that's actually funny because there is something exactly like that in Dragon Quest XI, except the opposite is supposed to be funny and it is hilarious. It's like it's a condition called shy pox, and it's just the concept is your your character gets so shy that they flub whatever they're supposed to be doing, and sometimes sometimes they'll dance, sometimes they'll just run away, sometimes they'll just do something completely crazy. Sometimes I think they can attack like if they get confused enough, but yeah, I just. Love that you have the juxtaposition between comedy and utter insanity, but the same effects. That's, that's me at that's parties, like, by the way. <laughs> that's like the coolest thing about Darkest Dungeon 1 to me is that it was a management game. It was like the player is managing all these different characters that come into town. They have their own vices that you have to deal with. I love the idea of you have this town full of all these like 
drinking halls and brothels and stuff like that. And you have these terrible, depressed, like warriors coming out of the dungeon and they're like, Oh, we just fought horrors and insanities and, and Fred died in there. And you're like, okay, good. Well go gamble for a bit. And then I'm sending you back down into the dungeon. (laughs) And, uh, it was, it was almost like, uh, it was almost funny in how depressing and, and, and like oppressing it was like, like how dark everything was. But, uh, the management aspect is what really made me like the first darkest dungeon because I love games like that or games like XCOM enemy unknown where you have units that you get really attached to, but are also supposed to theoretically be expendable. And you have to make those really hard choices at some point where it's like, do I want to let this run go? Do I let this unit go or, Oh, I just lost this character who's been like, the cornerstone of my party that I was going deeper and deeper in the dungeon with. And that's like a really tangible physical loss. And I don't know that I had that when I was playing darkest dungeon two, I've only played like some press demos and stuff like that here and there over the years. But every time I played it, it felt very similar to other roguelites that are more common nowadays. And I didn't have that like attachment to the units. And I'm wondering, Matthew, like, do you still feel like you have attachment to units in darkest dungeon two? Uh, I actually feel more attached to the Darkest Dungeon two units okay. because they're not um, they they're the same character in that like that's like one of the changes they're not um, mm. they're not new every time so you actually kind of learn their their history and as you learn their history you get more abilities but I do love the resource management access or uh, aspect that you were talking about in Darkest Dungeon one is like kind of treating them as disposable even though they're like your beloved party but (laughs) but yeah they're uh, i think that game kind of helped the first one kind of helps you um make these tough decisions when you look at the achievements like there's one where you send a group of level ones into the darkest dungeon and i think that kind of trains you like oh it's okay if they die (laughs) like yeah they were born to die yeah they came here to die I did the same thing in both Darkest Dungeon and XCOM, which my rule was you didn't get a custom name until you survived one mission because I wasn't just going to like spend time on someone else. That's very grim. That's like how mothers didn't name their babies until they were like seven years old. I'm not going to get attached to them yet. They haven't even lived through a mission yet. Like, you get out there and sin Ricky, and then you earn an upgrade from the red shirt. Like, that's. That's how well, you thanks, do Ricky, it for your service. Yeah, uh, no. So that's that's how I managed my XCOM and my Darkest Dungeon, which, uh, you know, hire me to coach your football teams or whatever, I guess. But <laughs> you don't hey, get a name until you score a goal. You're just like, hey, fat kid. Hey, four eyes. <laughs> you know, go run down well, the field. Well, well, another fun aspect that I thought, too, was um, you when when your run goes really bad, um, I would just start chasing achievements like you can try to get your people killed by uh, a wall collapsing. So oh, no. it's like, yeah. or like by, a, um, like, yeah, I think it was stepping on a trap and you're like, oh, okay, well this run's basically over. Let's see. Let's see if I can, uh, get rid of these try, people. Try to earn something back from it. Yeah. And it's, it's actually Oregon pretty... trail from hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the uh, it's the darkest dungeon two equivalent of naming all of the party members after people you disliked in school, and then seeing <laughs> if you can get them to get cholera or something. And then the first uh, time I ever laughed hard enough at something on the internet to wake up my husband uh, was actually something that Sharky Solid Sharky wrote. 
uh, way, way back in the day. It was just like a review of, of like uh, Oregon Trail. And this was back when no one did this shit. And he just kind of did this let's play of him. Uh, and the characters' names were like Jesus and Mega Man and Skeletor. And like, <laughs> so it'd be like, you know, Mega Man dies of dysentery. <laughs> yeah. That, that was how the West was found. Oh, man. Skeletor. And it was so funny. I mean, the best part was that it would save the uh, the gravestone in the original game. So if you passed by it, you'd be like, hey. There was someone well, Matthew in our school. Matthew is a butt. I totally agree with that. Sorry, Matthew. Yeah, someone in our, our school wrote like, you know, uh, on some gravestone in the game, like, fuck so-and-so. It was like one of the teachers. And so I actually witnessed some kid playing the game and that gravestone popped up and she started to cry because she thought she was going to get Aww. in trouble. Why Canadians oh were playing Oregon Trail, I can't tell you. Well, Canadians did Westford Expansion, too. You weren't exactly exempt. Well, no, but not through Oregon. <laughs> yeah. No, true. You did not have Oregon for through no fault of your own. Um, I The thing that struck me about Darkest Dungeon 2 when I first played it was it was very disorienting to me because it was so different, which isn't a bad thing per se in a sequel. I mean, it's not a bad thing to change up the formula and such, but in going from more of a management sim as Eric was saying, to sort of a roguelite and you're heading toward the mountain and everything, uh, mentally it took a lot of adjustment. And as a consequence, it didn't grab me quite as hard um, right from the outset. And it seemed like um, it didn't grab a lot of people. Someone has put like 100, like well, well more than 100 hours into it. Can you Can you talk to me, Matthew, about some of the things that it does Right, oh. but also some of the things it does wrong. Yeah, I th I definitely think it's similar to a more traditional roguelike. Um, or is that roguelike? Yeah, roguelite. Yeah, light. Uh, yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody at work recently said, "What is the difference between a roguelite and a roguelike?" And I was like, "Well, roguelikes are turn based, and they have, you know, um, an identification game and starvation and are hard permadeath." And rogue lights are more frequently more action based, frequently uh, more forgiving. have some sort of permanent progression, that sort of yeah. thing. So. Yo, I've 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 been training for this moment for years. <laughs> All right, so the Berlin interpretation of what a rogue game is. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> um, I'm not even uh, joking. So roguelike has legitimately been in contention for ages because there are people who were like. You're only a rogue like if you look like the game rogue, you have to basically be like almost mud levels of like, like it's turn based. If it's, it's not ASCII, based, it's not a rogue like it's, it's non modal. Uh, it has emergent gameplay, has permadeath, randomized dungeons, uh, resource management, um, it, it, like on and on and on and on. And yeah, there, there are different like levels of this, but I think broadly the difference between roguelike and roguelite is that a roguelite has progression, like permanent progression systems, whereas a roguelike will be more uh, sheer in the wanderer, that sort of thing where you have to make do with what you have in the world. You do not get extra help from outside. Pokemon mystery dungeon. Okay. Yeah. Um, rogue. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Matthew. Oh, so uh, yeah. So I, I, I think with that um, explanation, uh, it kind of um, lends to why you would play something like Darkest Dungeon 2 is that you're you're buying 
in at first that it's that style of a game, that it's not a management sim. Yeah. Uh, or not management sim, but uh, less resource management uh, based. But you could be misled if you only played Darkest Dungeon 1. But once you kind of buy into that, um, there are the frustrating elements that come along with it, like that you could get all the way to the mountain after like a long slog and then through like a series of like uh like weird circumstances like your key player dies and that's definitely frustrating You're but right. but i think um how how you accrue this many hours is this is kind of like a oh i play this while i'm like streaming tv on my other monitor or listening to a podcast so it's it's not like i'm like completely locked in playing a 120 hour game it's like oh hey i think i can do a run and i want to try the i think it's the orphan this time you know mm. and i need to fulfill her backstory anyways so at worst i'll either uh you know i'll either beat the boss or i'll fulfill her backstory or i'll just you know i'll have a better understanding of this character and and just like each run just kind of like really um it's it's only like a one or two hour experience, but I just you know uh, find myself playing it more more and more when I'm doing well, and mm. then just not so often when I'm doing poorly. But I, I would say I'm at the tipping point. You know, when you get into a game where you go, I think I'm near the end. I think I could wrap this up if I had a long weekend kind of thing. Yeah. And so I I don't think there's much more to do in the game uh, when you have as many hours as I do. So like yeah, so it's it's pretty much winding down at that point interesting yeah darkest dungeon the thing that would always throw me about the original game was i would play i put a lot of hours into it and i would have very deliberately set up parties and everything would be like this intricate winding watch and i would know exactly which characters i need to bring into which dungeons because that's one of the main things is party comps one of my absolute favorite thing in any rpg is figuring out party comps and oh. but then I would go away for a little bit and I would come back and be like, who are these people? What's going uh, on? And then I would bring a party down to a dungeon and they would all die. And that's like <laughs> hours down the drain. And I'd be like, oh, uh, no. That's and of course, frustrating. and of course, you have to do every one of them multiple times because you're fighting multiple iterations of the same boss. And then at a certain point, you're like, OK, I, I can't do this anymore. And certainly not enough to get all the way to the darkest dungeon, unfortunately. So um, is the repetition as strong in darkest dungeon too, Matthew? No, I, th- I think one is or definitely. They fixed that. B- they fixed that part. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm, uh, oh, no, I think I misunderstood. Like darkest dungeon two is definitely more repetitive. And more I think repetitive. That's more, impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, like, yeah I, I, I feel like darkest dungeon one, there's a little bit... Um, by comparison more um uh flexibility if you can believe it or not because uh i actually beat darkest dungeon one that was my quarantine game three years ago as i was like oh i finally have time to play this so Congratulations. A, light, a light-hearted quarantine game you know yeah. Just, we're all trapped uh, inside and we'll play something enjoyable and light. i go well you can't i go yeah i, <laughs> I want to play i want to it's the the plague it's plague doctors here we go everyone else is playing animal crossing you know what i did i conquered <laughs> dungeon. the dungeon <laughs> the darkest okay, so dungeon 
I was curious about this because, like, what you were saying, I went back to my file uh, yesterday and I was like, what was I doing last in this game? I was like, this is an, an I have no idea what's going on anymore. Is Was it similar <laughs> when you guys went back to Animal Crossing during... Was I'm scared like... to go back to my Animal Crossing town because my <laughs> I... husband my husband has been upkeeping it every day. But uh, if I go back to my house, it's going to just be cockroach galore and I'm going to freak out. So I went back. I went back for the first time in one year and eight months over Thanksgiving. Because oh, nice. I was just like, I miss my town. How are they all doing? And I walked around my island just staring around going, oh, my God. How did I do all of this? This is the most elaborate, crazy thing I've ever made. I'm never going to be able to play Animal Crossing again. I can never make an island this good again. It was intimidating. It's just you doing the could a depressed person make this, but it's your Animal Crossing town. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) I had a similar experience where I was like, I could never do this again. I had an absurd amount of money in Darkest Dungeon, like hundreds of thousands of gold. I was like... I dominated this game somehow. Like I beat every boss, every side quest. And I just, I was like, what? I must've had just, I must've just dug in and gotten to some fugue state where I was just like playing, (laughs) (laughs) like playing that game. But yeah, uh, that's how I felt too. I was like, I could never repeat this performance ever again. Like, I think we were all in a fugue state in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. It was that kind of year. Uh, but uh, we've had an incredible year for RPGs. Uh, Darkest Dungeon 2 came out quite early this year, and unfortunately it's flown under the radar. Should it be flying under the radar? Should people finally give this one a shot, Matthew? Uh, I think it, I think it's worth a shot, uh, but also I don't know if it's at the state where it's like a little less expensive, like, where, like Steam sale mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. Also, I think um, with Darkest Dungeon 2, like what finally got me to Darkest Dungeon 1 was all the content was out, right? So yeah. I got to kind of dive in and I got to play like this really polished, you know, game with all sorts of extra content. But we're at like the beginning stage of Darkest Dungeon yeah, the 2. The first DLC just came out. Yeah. Uh, was that bind- is it Binding? Binding Blade. Yeah. And I think. The Binding Blade. Yeah, it's a funny name. That is an uh, interesting name. <laughs> Nintendo like knocking on their Nintendo's door. Nintendo's like, like hey, what? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Ninja. <laughs> then, uh, but uh, for example, when I when I played Darkest Dungeon one, I had like all the content, so I I had all these characters that I think helped make that game more playable too. Because one of my like amazing comps in the first game uh, required. Um, I I think I ended up um, going through the Crimson Court or whatever, and that got me all sorts of, you know, crazy artifacts and stuff. So when I went to the Darkest Dungeon, I was a lot stronger uh, and was able to beat it. And I think right now with Darkest Dungeon 2, um, there's there's no... If you get all the the trinkets unlocked and whatever, like, for now, if you can't figure out the right combination to play uh you know to get to the bosses and beat the game you're you're in this position where it's like oh well i guess i just don't get it or you know you know but if more dlc comes out maybe there'll be a character that really you know makes sense to you or uh clears up like a really um 
difficult part of the game for you. So I think I think maybe people can wait a little bit longer because this year has pretty amazing RPGs. But like just kind of have this floating around on your wish list on Steam or whatever. And when the price is right, then I think, yeah, give it a shot. All right. I definitely will. And I, one thing I will say about the developers of this game is that when they put out DLC, they it is surprisingly involved DLC. The Crimson Court that you mentioned was very different from the core Darkest Dungeon games, but it added a lot to the base game. And they also did a really good job of addressing fan feedback and such. So Darkest Dungeon 2 may be a game that's significantly better in, say, 2024 than it was in 2023. So I look forward to coming back to it. Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything sure. else you want to highlight? or uh, And where can we find you? Um, I'm not very findable, but I, I guess you can find <laughs> me on... Life. Well, I mean, as, as in, like, I don't actually have any social media or anything, so... Congratulations. My God. Well uh, done. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I have a quick funny anecdote about that. I decided eight years ago social media was too toxic. I have no idea how it could possibly have been any worse, but I'm told it is. But you're ahead oh, of the God. game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. no. Eight but... Years ago was a paradise. Take me yeah, back no. To Eden. But that's the thing, right? I was like, maybe they just put more tires on the tire fire. It's just mm-hmm. from from like an outside perspective. But keep that baby burning. But um, uh, yeah. So uh, you can find me at Ma- as Matthew Salisbury on the Discord. I guess you'll probably see me playing. Probably Darkest Dungeon too. Like I don't know. I guess you could shoot me a message. I don't. I don't mind. And then the only other thing I want to say too is I love the art of oh, Dar- God, Darkest yes. Dungeon. Just throwing mm. that out there is it's like I kind of like how like harsh and I don't know if funny is the right word, but like it's like there's there's like a humor to it where you're like oh man, I I don't know if humor is the right word, but it's like there's just sort of like this dark like I don't know dark but fun feel to it. Dark humor. And we haven't even talked about the the narrator who's incredible. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh, top tier. Yeah, for sure. I love having a narrator. I love having a commentator for your battles. A savage <laughs> oh. blow. <laughs> it's like Oh man, what was what, oh, I was trying to remember one of them too. It was like oh, it it escapes me. But yeah, there's some there's some that like are perfectly aligned with what you do and just you can't help but laugh. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, just thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And, thank you. Uh, the opportunity. It's fun. I uh, And yeah, if uh, I, I kind of just uh, wanted to just throw it out there that uh, part of the reason why I did this is I just go, oh, I kind of just want to be more active in my life. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I listen to this podcast. I want to support it. It is like, oh, this sounds like a fun opportunity to like do something. And I know that's sort of like privileged because it's definitely expensive. But like it, it like you could just like I, I ended up just canceling a couple subscriptions and just making sure to save a little bit. And it, it ended up just being like a really cool, you know, thing I could do. And I, I think it just feel like you I don't know. I feel more engaged with like life the is for living. Life is for living. So. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for picking us over those uh, other shows that aren't as good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh uh, well, I technically did do an episode of Retronauts too, so oh. I guess you could check. You could check <sighs> that out. Cool. Well, they're okay. Yeah, but I mean, but Axe of the Blood got first. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> Take that, Jeremy Parrish. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, anyways, thank you very much. It was great having you. Thank you thank so you, much Matthew. for your support. Yeah, thank you. All right. That was our conversation with Matthew. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you so much for your generous support. That was a lot of fun. It's time now for a series of random encounters. The GTA 6 trailer drops on Tuesday in what may be one of the biggest events in several years for video games. And as I already mentioned, may finally kill Twitter dead, God willing. Cyberpunk 2077's 2.1 patch is on the way and it will include a metro system at long last along with a host of other improvements. Uh, If you've been hoping for a Final Fantasy Tactics remaster, well, it's not happening or it's not planned, according to Yasumi Matsuno. So maybe we'll get a remake instead, question mark? We shall see. Yeah, there you go. Hey. What's what's he not saying? Read between the lines. (laughs) Semantics. (laughs) Uh, Bethesda responded to Starfield reviews in an amusing series of messages that made their way around the internet. But Go check out on IGN.com. It's an interesting trend, actually, especially in the indie space, to actually respond to uh, reviews because sometimes you can actually flip a mixed or negative review to positive. You just don't see it happening in the AAA space very much. And, uh, you know, I'm a Starfield defender at this point, so what can I say? I'm just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And finally, Dragon's Dogma 2 will be Capcom's first $70 game when it launches next year. Worth every dollar. Yeah, most likely. God, that's going to be $100 in the Canada. Easy. Time now for some boss battles. First up, Baldur's Gate 3 dropped another huge patch. and This one contained an interactive epilogue in which you can say goodbye to everybody Aww, for your cry. adventure, including Scratch. No, mm, you have crucial. to keep Scratch. Scratch can't go away. What about the owlbear? <laughs> owlbear? We'll take- I don't know about that one. I I think I told you I never got Scratch into my party. I feel kind of embarrassed <gasps> about that. Oh, okay. You shouldn't miss Scratch, but you what should miss the owlbear cub because you only get the owlbear cub if you kill its mother. <laughs> I couldn't so. kill the mom. But then I, it loves you. I, the mom no. got me, I got the mom down to like five hit points and I realized I was like, but the baby, I'm going to make the baby an orphan. But when you, I, thought, I can't, I can't do it. Here's the thing. When you get the Albert cub, I forget what they say, but they do kind of infer that you actually save them in a way by rescuing them, even though their mom was, I don't remember, but they do, he and Scratch become the best of friends and there's a scene where, like, he the the Albert Cub wakes up from a nightmare and scratches like the one who settles him down. The thing with the Albert Cub is either way he gets like kidnapped by the goblins and winds up in their camp. So you may as well save him because someone kills his mom. Someone does. Someone At kills some Bambi's mom. Oh. Uh, I think I have a save file that's literally I just have to hit the final boss once and I win. So <laughs> you can kind of save scum in this game. So I'm kind of hopeful that I can just go straight into the new epilogue and see everything. I I would love to do that. Also, also, apparently you get even more extended Carlac time, which is great. Mm -hmm. Oh, Assuming they didn't die, you know, do other things. So, um. Yeah, uh, I had a save file that's directly like 
at the final thing you do in the game, like the last time you have your hands on the controls. Uh, so I booted that up. I haven't played all of the epilogue yet because it's kind of framed like the if you if you've done the the Grove stuff in Act One and it kind of ends with a party. Uh, depending on which side you choose who's at that party <laughs> party um but it's it's set up the same way where you're at camp and you can kind of go around and talk to people uh one thing that people were very excited for which i wrote about over on destructoid.com is that uh they canonized bing bong the imp uh oh bing in, bong in the post launch of baldur's gate 3 all of the voice actors did a D tabletop session uh, as their own characters it's very very fun you should watch it on the the high rollers D channel if you have not and during that session uh jennifer english who plays Shadowheart, uh decided to adopt bing bong the imp uh from one of the local shops it became a very funny joke and the epilogue actually like canonizes bing bong as part of their journey which is very very fun i uh am still on episode three I got a little bit overwhelmed when I got into the city, so I took a break to play Dragon Quest Builders 2. So I will be going back, absolutely. But It is overwhelming. I kind of How need to sort out my How into my Act 3 at this point? Did you actually get into the city yet? I am in the city. Uh, things okay. are shaking, so I'm, I'm assuming that if Did I get Did you do the, um, the crowning thing? Yes. You know? Yeah, so you did all oh. that. Okay, yes, I did all that. I, I talked to Gorbash, and he's like, yeah, we can be friends. I'm like, whatever. I'll just kind of keep you on the back pocket for now. Gorbash? <laughs> whatever his name is. Good Gortash. old Gorbash. Gortash. Gortash, yeah. <laughs> he's such a dork, though. I don't care if I get he his is. name wrong. He looks like he's... someone stepped on his face. That is he, so He it. sucks, but in like a really fun way. Like, he really he is, does. He is a dirtbag, but like a really good... Like, dirt bag. I can't wait for you to get skinned. I hate that chick who's this the the flare. Like she's so boring. I'm sorry. No, Orin's so good. Oh she's my god. So mm. typical. It's like Yandere. Do you uh, like Harley Quinn, but she's a demon? Cool. There you no, go. No. Mm, no. So boring Harley Quinn. No. Harley, Harley Quinn was, was Harley was Quinn is just upset. Like, okay, this this is not the same. You know, thing. It's Quinn not the same thing. Great. No, no. But, but yeah, I'm just not a fan of her. I, that might change. That's fine for now. She's very boring. I was like, oh boy, here's a skinned person as a warning. Nadia, Ooh. who's your favorite companion right now? Oh, geez, that's a that's a hard one. But I would say Shadowheart. Don't spoil okay. anything, dude. No, no, I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm I'm curious because of where you're at, like who your favorite companion is right now. I've slept with Shadowheart and I slept with the druid guy. I asked Shadowheart. Oh, with, she's like, with Halsen? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you'd be stupid if you didn't sleep with him. So I was like, okay. She I'm knows what's up. The most devastating moment in 2023 was when Carlac friend zoned me and I still haven't adequately recovered. Oh, cat, mm, cat, mm. cat. Yeah. Man, How does this keep happening Carlac, to you? Die. Like Fire Emblem Three Houses, you messed up the Edelgard route. Now Baldur's Gate Three, you messed up the Carlock romance. I murdered, I I murdered my girl. Cad, do we got to do like some some Riz some Riz school? Do we got to take you to Riz University? Riz <laughs> <laughs> yeah. University. What's happening here? I don't know if I met Bing Bong yet, but uh, does he say like, "Hey, fuck your life, Bing Bong"? Oh no, no, Bing Bong is not like in the game. In the game, they just oh, okay. mention him later. Um, oh, okay. Hey, fuck your life. Bing bong. Nadia, Spooky Man VR said Carlac is Chie 2.0. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, long time listeners, listeners of Axel Blood God will know that I broke Chie's heart, and frankly, I still haven't recovered from that either. It's like the hat trick. 
Yeah, well, you know what? In Persona 5, I couldn't get anyone because I wasn't clean enough for Makoto. And uh, I I didn't get my my charisma up, which means I didn't go to the bathhouse enough. Your charisma was not high. Yeah, I was fishing because the Mm -hmm. fishing in that game is actually pretty good. And then it's like, oh shit, right? I'm on a timer, and the game's and the game ended. Every time I try to play a Persona game without a guide, I start getting major FOMO thinking, I'm not doing what I need to be able to get uh, actual social links. God damn it, I'm missing content. Yeah, but the fishing was good. I When I played Royal, I, I hooked up with the doctor and she was just like, we got to put a stop to this. <laughs> oh, now we're putting a stop to this. Okay. <laughs> Teacher says hi. On Saturday, uh, we got our first trailer for the Fallout TV show coming from Prime Video. During the pre-show, we streamed it live and watched it together with the uh, stars of Destiny. And I have to say, uh, this this show was not really on my radar, but now it kind of is. It looks beautiful. I think they really captured the the skate scope and the beauty of um, the wasteland. I think. One of the showrunners of Westworld might be involved. Yeah, that was in the credits. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. Nolan. Yeah. I don't think Westworld was a good show, but I do think that it did have some great cinematography and great desert landscapes. So I can see why they went in that general direction. And Fallout's kind of a weird one to adapt into a live action series. I I think that in the worst of times, it can look really corny, but this looks pretty good, actually. The thing I like about it, this is going to sound silly, but the fact that the jumpsuits are so unapologetically blue and yellow, like usually when someone has this kind of content and it's from a game, they're like, oh, we're going to tone that down because it's silly. And they just didn't like they stand out real bright, which is stupid when it comes to Predators. But that's not that's not the director's (laughs) fault. That's the game. Yeah, that's I think that's actually important because their jumpsuits, they're just designed for people to be wearing inside of a vault, right? Like they're not designed to be camo out in the world. And so that like disconnect is actually pretty interesting for the world. And I I saw a lot of things I like in that trailer. Walton Goggins is is someone I'm always going to be like interested in seeing in a movie uh, or or a show or anything. I like that it looks like they're doing some vault stuff, some kind of downfall of a vault type things. Yeah. I The beginning of the game is very predictable, like Fallout 3 type. Oh, you're leaving the vaults. No, and like I've those always kind of I'm not wild about that. The one thing that made me nervous um, seeing the Brotherhood of Steel, uh, because I think the Brotherhood of Steel is a very tricky faction to do right. I think some games do that faction very well and i think I, I think other games don't do that faction very well and the fact that bethesda is working on this i don't really like bethesda's take on the brotherhood of steel as this sort of like they're the the super gung-ho paladins keeping order like i like more of the obsidian interplay takes on on the brotherhood of steel and so i'm not as keen on that if it's just going to be like power suit yeah and yeah. i i want that to maybe explore like why the brotherhood of steel is a force but is not like a de facto force is not just a bunch of good guy paladins rolling out in their power suit armor um we'll see if that the happens brotherhood of steel is an interesting one because in fallout 4 they were definitely not good they were religious fanatics um I would call them an antagonist faction in that one. I blew up that vertebrate real good, and I felt mm-hmm. perfectly good, fine about that. Um, 
I don't think that Fallout has always had a great handle on the Brotherhood of Steel, so I agree that this is a good opportunity. Um, there's a part of me that's a little like, eh, that is based on Bethesda's vision of Fallout as opposed to the more the classical version of it and the, the 90s yeah. interplay Fallout slash Fallout New Vegas. But, you know, we get some actual, you know, creatives involved who seem really strong so maybe we'll um, we'll have something good and um at, at a minimum they got the vibes right <laughs> they sure they sure did i, yeah. I kind of yeah. hope they include a rad a rad storm in there i love the rad storms are the creepiest thing mm. in, this, in I, this series i i liked a lot of seeing just the big bugs and the mutated bear yeah. and stuff like that i like seeing some of the you know marks of nuclear fallout in a fallout game i know that sounds funny to say but uh, that is kind of what I want to see. And they got some good acting on there. Uh, the lead actress is from Yellow Jackets. I believe she was Let's the go. one of the, the characters in Yellow Jackets. Um, uh, so follow, yeah. I just got to say the follow TV show better be gay. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unlike, unlike main fallout. <laughs> can you? All oh, right. What can you, I, I barely, you can date girls in? I fallout, barely remember you? the romances of Fallout. To be fair, so yeah, but that's the doesn't do romances very well. I think. Yeah. The, I, I remember in, in three, you could sleep with a, a sex worker, but I okay. That's all I remember. All right, Nova. I think her name was. Can you oh. romance the uh, super mutant? Can you romance the ghouls? That's fallout what I'm talking about. Had, uh, fallout Four had better characters, I should add, than uh, Starfield did. Uh, just by virtue of having um, uh, Valentine, Nick Valentine. The, He's the robot, so great. The yeah. robot. Yeah, I really enjoyed him. Uh, finally, uh, Game Awards are this week. They'll be on oh, December no. 7th. Uh, please be prepared for the RPG category to be announced in a perfunctory way. And the best RPG is Baldur's Gate 3. Moving on with our lives. Uh, obviously, the main dramas right now Will it be Baldur's Gate 3 or will it be The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom or will it be Alan Wake 2? You would say those would be the main uh, the main contenders for Game of the Year. And the other piece of discourse uh, the, the other piece of discourse is is Dave the Diver an indie? No. And oh god, no. That's been, a, that's been a whole discussion and uh, I guess Jeff Keighley's response was basically that jeff that dave the diver looks like an indie so it's got indie vibes so therefore it is an indie we it's, all have, need to have a conversation about indies okay I look so, like a leprechaun therefore i am a leprechaun the term it, it, indie was coined in a time when video games were very different back when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there were boxed releases and then there were kind of small digital releases created by often solo creators and you still had like xboxes uh summer of arcade and things like that yeah cave story well yeah now so-called indie studios are multi-million budget dollar budgets and they have uh very large groups of people it's just that maybe they're not going for a particular triple a aesthetic so to speak or they're not going for the truly wild uh technology but even larian studios is technically an indie uh, so to speak, it's just that you have your uh, AAA, you have your more mid-tier AA games, and then you have your genuine 
we made this using some assets we bought from the Unity store and it actually blew up and we're kind of shocked. Vampire Survivors is an indie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the most annoying part for me, and, and here's where I will give Jeff like a little bit of leeway before I then like repack it on All <laughs> is, is that he he did point out that like the jury votes on this. And so this is not mm. just like Jeff Keeley. This is. I, this is where I, as a games media person, I'm going to call out the collective. Why is this happening every And to be clear, year? I did not, I did not vote on the game awards. My, my outlet does not vote on the game awards. But it's like my colleagues, are you all making these bread, de- these brain dead decisions? It is, it is broadly on a lot of people, and not just Jeff Keighley. However, on the game awards website, it only lists Mint Rocket as the developer and did not list Nexon as the publisher, mm. which is like. That's, that's cheating. Nexon. <laughs> like they are under Nexon. Like it's it's so okay, obviously yeah. not indie. So that's um, not fair. Sorry. Sorry, yes, games journalists. Yes. I'll take it back. So so yeah, you know, I, I I give an inch and then take it all back. Um, but my my broader point is that I think the bummer here is that you see a lot of great games then not get spotlit because yeah. there's so someone put this very eloquently, and so I'm going to like badly summarize their idea here but it was that if dave the diver is not an indie but it was put in indie because it has indie vibes then we don't think that games that look like that can compete in other categories so like we think dave the diver is a great game but we don't think it could compete in a best action adventure or a best right. action or something like that best simulation and Oh, the Sim Strat. Look, we can get Len on here. It was it that is its own tire fire, its own localized condensed tire fire. I started playing uh, it the other night. I was digging it. It's pretty cool. And and like Dave the Diver, yeah, it's it seems like a good game overall. I've heard a lot of really good things about it, but I think if number one, that game doesn't compete in other categories, then why are we nominating it for anything in the first place? And number two, it it's not an indie and there are a lot of indies that were actually pretty good this year you had pizza tower you had slay the princess like there were very good Dredge. games that either did not get nominations or only got nominations in very specific categories you could in go stars to the and time yeah in stars and time even sea of stars was sea of stars in the indie category i know yes. it was in one other category it was in the indie category i think it was in i think it was in the indie category yeah that that is that is a great example Fact of like time. a good yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Let Eric get really far into his rant and then start saying wrong things. Uh, <laughs> I am pulling up, I'm pulling up the nominees right now. But that's um, it's a frustrating thing because every year we see some games get weirdly categorized, right? And like, I get why Sifu somehow ends up in best fighting game, even though it should not be in best what? fighting game. That's it hilarious. Best like, fighting wow. game. Uh, that's amazing. I love I, I love game awards, but I think with indie, it's especially frustrating because it's a category that, by the way, CS Stars is in best indie alongside yes. Viewfinder. Viewfinder, Dredge, I think C- Viewfinder Cocoon or Cocoon should Diver. win. Um, Dredge I think, is a great example, isn't that like by one person? Uh, no, it's by a team. So, and it's oh, also okay. so our, it's also published by Team Seventeen. Uh, which all is, right, but still, yeah. it's a great game. But somebody suggested the Indie Spirit Award. But I don't know. I, I do think, by the way, that Pizza Tower not being nominated for an indie, but Dave the Diver getting it is kind of wild. Yeah. So, to me, so Pizza actually. Tower is in best debut indie along with Venba, which is another like really good breakout indie from this year. 
and even then you could argue that things like thirsty suitors and stuff like that could be up for these awards and are not in here. Maybe they just missed the deadline or weren't in front of enough eyes at the right time. Who's to say, but, um, uh, I will just say that I think that video game discourse has declined mightily in the past yeah. few years, uh, especially oh, yeah. as a lot of really great sites like waypoint have died and a lot of really great writers have migrated away. I miss Thank God. AV club. I'm a savvy club too. Thank God we have sites like Aftermath and uh, Remap Aftermath and all that. Been great, yeah. Which is great to see uh, as kind of picking up the torch, so to speak. But overall, as uh, media companies have been slashed, I I do think that the commentary around video games are a lot less thoughtful, and yeah. that's how you get Dave the Diver being nominated for best indie, <laughs> even if it is a really damn and good game. That's how you wrap it around. I- it, it was very jarring because I'm sure like this is probably true for y'all cat, but like we were having goatee talks at the time and we were putting together a best indies of the year list and ours looks substantially different from this. And I think it was just a case of number one, it's, it's a bummer that these games are not getting more, uh, time, more attention. There's, there's some really great indies that came out this year that just deserved more uh we were cutting games from our indies list uh even as we were putting together our nominations and trying to whittle it down to how many we needed and yeah there's 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 places doing commentary and doing stuff like that so just go find and support them because that's really all we can ask in this crazy media world so we all get mad about the game awards the game awards is just e3 it's just an excuse to do trailers the real awards are the game developers choice awards and the baftas and if you go and look at the games that are nominated during the Game Developers Choice Awards consistently, they're totally different from the Game Awards. It's actually jarring. And that is where you get a much better sense. I will always think of like 20, 2018 was the year that RDR2 basically swept the awards. But then over at uh, the Game Developers Choice Awards, um, uh, uh, what was the game that was really good and you're an insurance adjuster and you're exploring the ship that kind of thing oh Oberdin oh Oberdin yeah Oberdin basically swept the awards at the game developers choice awards that year so RDRT was great too though they're both good they're both good yes but I think Oberdin was a fantastic achievement that was like not even really acknowledged at all as I recall at the game awards so all right well 2018 by the way banger year Good year. Right. Talks about 2017, but yeah. 2018 was quite impressive as well. All right, we're rolling up to the tavern. Let's just chill out, talk a little bit about what we have been playing. And I'll start with uh, I picked up Final Fantasy V over the holidays again, and it took me a bit to remember what exactly I was doing. I was at the end of World One, and I am now further than I've ever gotten in Final Fantasy V, and I feel very excited. I'm definitely leaning into all of the power strategies. I've been building up my blue mages. Um, I've been... Uh, I fought quite a hard boss at the end of World One. One, It's this dragon that keeps uh, changing its elements and oh. uh, has thousands of hit points. And so if you don't lean into the power strategies, it's a really, really, really hard boss fight. 
so. there is a boss fight very similar to that in Final Fantasy VI at the top of Kefka's Tower. It's an optional fight, but it's a nightmare if you have no idea what you're doing, which I didn't when I was like 14 and playing this RPG, like my first really serious RPG for the first time in a long time. And so the trick apparently was to cast Berserk on him or something. He'll just attack you because your attacks are locked. You only have magic. And I had no idea. Like, And then he would cast Ultima at the end and wipe you out. And I had no idea that Life 3 would save you. Man, what a frustrating boss that was. Sorry, Cat. I just had a flashback. Yeah, you have to just keep hitting him. And he'll change elements as you're fighting. And you don't have any signal as to when he's changing the element. But then he'll die and he'll come back and he'll hit you with whole party killing attacks. So thankfully I had Thousand Needles and I just kept and I had two blue mages and I just kept pouring Thousand Needles into them. And I had a strong enough uh, Gallif and um, Bart's were strong enough that they were able to withstand it. Um, Final Fantasy V is a very silly game. It's a very silly story, but... It's also heartwarming. It's a it's a warm cup of a kind of cozy tea in terms of an RPG. And I am really enjoying the 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 the, the job system overall. And the music, oh music is so good in this one. So I'm glad to pick it up. I'm finally doing it, everybody. I'm beating Final Fantasy V over the holidays. That's my project. It's good. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm on to uh I'm, I'm on to world two now. I also want to uh, comment very briefly on read pop, putting uh, the Eurogamer family up for sale. Oh. Uh, we all used to work for read pop um, mm-hmm. as part of us gamer. And I just have to say, uh, speaking personally, everybody uh, from the Eurogamer and RPS VG 24 seven digital foundry, friend of the show, John Linneman, they all deserve a lot better. They than do. what they Good got God. from Repop. Repop only ever wanted the events business uh, from that side. And the media sites were treated as a throw-in. And the thing that I really valued about working for Repop, or not Repop, sorry, for Gamer Network specifically, was that it felt like a family business. Uh, yes. The owner of the site of the sites, Rupert Lohman, used to have holiday parties in his garden his parents were literally the accounts managers. There's a real fan- family atmosphere, but they were very canny about how they actually did business over there. And I respected that. But then I felt a pang of dread when Pop bought them. And unfortunately, that came to fruition. The uh, the pandemic wreaked havoc on the events business. Yeah. Good time. And that was a large part of why us gamer ended up dying was that they needed to cut their losses and we were expensive. And so they cut us. And I just have to say that Eurogamer is a foundational site. It's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a legacy site. Yes. And they just deserve a lot better than they're getting. RPS deserves a lot better than they're getting. They do great work over there. VG 24 seven, all of them. It almost so, feels like this is like uh, the last cluster of like you were saying how bad game discourse is these days. And it's like, yeah. this is almost like the last cluster of really great game discourse that could potentially go down the toilet. And some it's of the just... great writers in gaming have come from Eurogamer. People like Simon yeah. Parkin and such, they came from there. Uh, yes. Some of the best reporting in the business came from Eurogamer. And it would just be a real loss. I hope that whoever buys them treats them right i have great fear that it's gonna 
end up becoming some I don't know who could buy them in this day and age who would who would treat them right unfortunately but also yeah. want to give a shout out to game industry which you know I has been around forever GI Biz Brendan Sinclair's uh, he's great mm -hmm. yeah he's incredible he in Toronto we talk all the time he's cool yeah uh but it's when I was just like even just like a fledgling writer, I could all, always count on game industry to have good sources and to have good stories and almost never like point you wrong. That's going to be gone uh, potentially. Like uh, it just GI Biz when I was between USG uh, closing and and joining Destructoid, um, GI Biz was like kind enough to let me come on as basically a contract writer, and I did yeah. some like news writing for them just to kind of keep the bills moving out the door um and i i cannot emphasize enough how excellent that team is uh how much i learned from them they're experts at what they do they're so good they're in my opinion the best biz site around uh they do incredible work they're smart they're understanding they uh do really 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 good work and uh like kat was saying Eurogamer is a pillar it is the one that when new writers are talking to me they're like who should i look to for for news and stuff like that like eurogamer is one of my go-to's i will always trust eurogamer and rps has a huge history in online publishing and yeah. writing about niche interest games like we were just talking about some of my favorite early games writing was the essays on pathologic and solium infernum and stuff like that from uh, rps and it's it is frustrating that we're seeing media constrict like this because even outside the games industry, you have things like Jezebel uh, getting mm. just dumpstered and now apparently coming back. Being at saved pace, by Pace? But unclear. Who knew unclear that Pace was the history? Way. Who knew what, that Pace were the heroes that we needed? But who, who knew that Pace had that cash sitting around to just who pick knew? that up? Cool. Um, but it, it does feel like a game of musical chairs where the chairs are getting yanked out one by one. And it's, it's frustrating because you don't know what the future looks like as the internet continues to expand in very strange and, uh, worrisome ways. <laughs> and it's been a weird uh, year. Now is the I, time of monsters. I do hope the best for every single one of those writers, because they are good writers. They are good creators. They do good work in the arenas that they Shout work out to in. Tom Phillips. Good friend of mine. Long yeah. Friend. Yeah. So I hope they find something, whatever it is, whether it's under a new parent company or, or on their own, as so many of us seem to have to be doing these days at places like Remap and, and Aftermath and stuff like that. But um, best of luck and support the creators you like. We're very thankful that people support us here at Blood God. So, yeah, uh, thank you. I mean, RPS, uh, when Blood God went independent, RPS did a very nice write up about Axel of Blood God, which still shows up if you Google search it, uh, which uh, I'm sure did a lot for SEO. Thank you, RPS. But All right. Eric, you, you're going to go see... You you saw a movie that I'm going to be going to see tomorrow, so no spoilers, but mm -hmm. Godzilla Minus One, which has been getting a lot, a lot of great word of mouth. I'm very oh, excited yeah, to see it. Apparently. I saw the trailer. It looks lit. It looks so good. I haven't talked much about this on the pod, but uh, I grew up watching not just Mystery Science Theater and a lot of the related stuff, but also because of that, a lot of the early Godzillas. Uh, Godzilla, Gamera, Mothra, Rodan, King Ghidorah, Mecha Godzilla, like get everybody in there. I've seen a bunch of those over the years since I can remember as, as far back as I can remember. Um, 
I've always loved the original Godzilla very much. I like a lot of the in-between Godzillas. Uh, some of them are a little bit more goofy. Some of them a little bit more serious, but they always have different things that appeal to me. I'd kind of fallen off it for a bit because the Western Godzillas were not great. Uh, you didn't like <laughs> Godzilla 2000? Uh, but was it 98 or 2000? It was whichever, whichever one that was. It was I distinctly really remember rough. because I was working a really terrible job and that was that stupid Yokiro Taco Bell thing with the stupid dog and mm-hmm. it was a chihuahua and it, I was working in that pet shop and when they kept, so we were trying to sell chihuahuas and it was really awful. Sorry, Eric, go ahead. No, but I, I, I kind of got pulled back into it with Shin Godzilla, which I think is a similar it's story for a lot Ano of people. One. Shin Godzilla was excellent. I think it was a really fascinating take on the Godzilla story and also on the monster itself. You should absolutely watch it. I think I will. Um, it's a, it's a canonical great film. Um, a I, lot of people would say. I'm going to say that Godzilla minus one is on the same tier. It's, yeah. A lot it of people is, said it's the best Godzilla, one of the best Godzillas for sure. It is frankly excellent. Without saying too much, I think the thing that surprised me about it was number one, it's a really good kaiju movie. It nails all the kaiju stuff that you want to see. But also, it's a really good human story. It really deals with a lot of like it's it's broadly set in like post World War II Japan and really wrestles with that setting and that um that that story that fodder that everything that that those characters are going through a lot of the characters are veterans who survived the war and they really grapple with that and i think it's incredibly well done so so well done uh it's one of the godzilla movies that best embodies the fact that like godzilla is an idea godzilla is this thing it's not you know some godzilla movies like godzilla's our pal and he's hanging out and he's fighting monsters with us and i love those i do i genuinely love all the funny bits <laughs> the where, gif where he's like riding on his tail going Woo! yeah <laughs> where, where uh, ultraman has the 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 beetle guy in like a pin lock and then godzilla gets <laughs> on a tail slide and kicks him like it's great uh but as fun as those are original Godzilla, a lot of like the really more serious Godzillas are about Godzilla as a force Godzilla as this response, the same way that Gundam is very much a response to a lot of the things that happened in Japan and post-World War II Japan. Um, so is Godzilla <laughs> even more so. And so I, I really think that this movie understands that nails that incredible performances uh really incredible i think both costuming and set design i think that is honestly some of the best parts of this movie is both the costuming and the set design and and the way it uses that to tell its story is is very very interesting but uh also this version of godzilla is very fun to watch uh i think they did some great stuff with the design of godzilla this time around that i really really appreciated so i i loved it I had a great time. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, I was going to, yeah, I've played other games this week. I, I finished P5 Tactica. It's fine. Um, you can read my review. I think the story is good, but I was a little, bu- I think we just need to be done with Persona 5 at this point. I think we can move on from Persona 5 at this point. We've had enough P5 games. Uh, I want to start Star Ocean Second Story. That's like next up. But the thing that I was going to pose to y'all is, why do we not have a Godzilla RPG yet? Where's our that's Godzilla a, RPG? That's actually so. Do you play as Godzilla, or is there a Godzilla, and you're just having to survive in this world in which Godzilla is bringing the wrath of the ancients upon Tokyo? 
I, I think a, a King of the Monsters approach where you have Godzilla, but you also bring in, you know, your your King Kong, your Rodan, your Mothra, uh, and you're taking on some of the more dangerous enemies, your King Ghidorahs. Um, who's, the, yeah. uh, who's the armadillo? Oh, the armadillo from Godzilla. Um, I'm looking it's it Angrius up. or something like that. I can picture who you're talking about. Uh, Ang- Angurius? Angurius, yeah. I like Angurius. Yes. Yeah, he's he's um I forgot what kind of dinosaur that's called, but he's like a specific kind of dinosaur that's Ankylosaurus. Ankylosaurus, thank you. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I was like, it's not Stegosaurus. That's not right. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. You make a little like kaiju RPG, and you, oh, okay, we have someone I'd posting a date a kaiju dating so, sim. In so you our could chat. just have basically all of the kaiju monsters, but you're putting them into a giant party. Ooh. And Mike, Mike mm-hmm. versus the world in chat says Godzilla tactics. And that's not Ooh, a bad idea. I'd play that. That's yeah. not a bad idea. Mm. I think the thing that stands out to me is that in a really good Godzilla film, there's a sort of wrath of God aspect where Godzilla is so terrifying. Uh, it does a great job of conveying the sheer terror of this almost godlike being uh, mm-hmm. tromping through the mountain. Uh, for example, when uh, Godzilla does the atomic blast in Shin Godzilla, uh, so cool, right? I mean, it's meant mm-hmm, to evoke mm-hmm. the frightening, terrifying power of, um, uh, of uh, you know, an atomic bomb or that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The atomic era is always tied in tightly with Godzilla. So I think you'd want to capture that in an RPG. But I'm excited to see uh, Godzilla minus one tomorrow. I'm sure I'll share some. Some yeah, I want to see it too now. Yeah, heck it's yeah. It's wonderful. You should absolutely see it. It's my favorite movie of the year. And Nadia, Mario RPG. How's yeah. it going? Oh, I finished it. Uh, I've done some of the nice. post-game fast, content. Damn. It was actually... I'm Look actually at you sur- finishing games. I'm, well, I was really surprised at how... Just how good it was. Like, Mario RPG has never been... Like, I always liked it, but I played it a lot as a kid. And I, I've always felt like, okay, I don't need to play it again. I'm good. But then I decided, okay, I'll just start the remake. I'm sure it's fun. And the way they adjusted it, just so that it can appeal to old people like me and newcomers and make it more exciting, the battle system, like, they just did some really good stuff. They have some great polished visuals. The cinemas are all, like, really cute and fun. And the music is, is fantastic. This, the post-game content with the, the the revised boss battles is actually very challenging. The ability to swap in your characters now on the fly, I think that makes a big difference in the game uh, because I don't feel like I have to stick to, like, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have to choose between, okay, healing or uh, buffs or whatever, especially because in the it's important in the post-game uh, battles because, dear God, the bosses love their status effect attacks. And I find in my RPG they all love their status effect attacks. But, yeah, I actually, actually very loudly hardly recommend it if you're any kind of mario rpg fan or even if you're like kind of going for the first time and kind of seeing where the progenitor was of all these like ideas like uh blocking and uh timed attacks uh it's a great game to pick up it's pretty short which is nice to hear in this day and age perfect perfect handheld switch game unlike unfortunately i'm also playing steam world build which is a fantastic game. It's like a SimCity Steambot uh, game. Like you know how the Steam Steamworld games tend to experiment with different with different genres. Like you have the RPG, you have the tactics game, which is of course amazing. This is the Sim City game, if you know what I mean. 
and is really great, is really involved, but the problem is it's really small. I can't see a darn thing on the Switch, so I'm going to have to play oh, it docked. I, hate I don't it want when to that do happens. Uh, yeah, and there's been, I'm not the only one. There's been a lot of complaints, unfortunately, about people who can't see the text even on the screen. So that's a little disappointing because uh, Thunderful and SteamWorld games, like they usually do fantastic work, image and form, as they used to be known. So hopefully they'll fix that. But in the meantime, like I'm just going to have to play it on, on my, on, on my, uh, on my TV. And I also got Dragon Quest um, Monstrous uh, Dark Prince, so I'm, I'm looking forward to starting that. All right, that's it for the tavern. Nadia, take us home. Oh, okay. <laughs> the I was gonna say something else, but the Fallout talk just reminded me of the time not that long ago. Cat, do you remember sending me to uh, where was it? The Greenbrier to preview Fallout seventy six. I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like, "Hey, everyone, we have this event that's going on at this like nuclear vault." And it just like lift up my hand, like me, 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 because I just love that kind of history and shit. So yeah, we had the tour of the Greenbrier of the vault and we're just like oh man this is so freaking cool and what was funny is that you were mentioning uh before the show how fallout really nails its music like that 50s 40s whatever you what would you call it i don't know but that wartime music and boomer era music and so we had a party in this vault and greenbrier is a popular destination for people who want to tour this area because basically as you know it was a or don't know it was a secret nuclear bunker that was meant to hide uh government officials in in a time of nuclear crisis so now it's open to tours and so we're having our party in the vault like a themes like you know vault day party where you know we're opening the vault hooray and they're playing all that music and there's this tour group of very old people kind of coming through and they're hearing this music that they grew up to and they're looking in and probably seeing all these punk ass asshole game journalists running around and like playing skee-ball because they had skee-ball there for some reason <laughs> and i could hear them and they were just so confused they have no idea why we're listening to their music and as a and, and talking to this huge fallout boy in a costume what's his name uh, uh pit boy? Vault boy yeah so that was pretty funny and Honestly, that is the picture of the oldest, whitest tour spot in the world, and that is the Greenbrier. Like, you go in there, and they're like, would you like a glass of champagne or peach tea? It's like, oh, dang. It was still fascinating. I absolutely just loved the history of the place. And yeah, but the the old people strolling by and literally being like, you know, just stumped by the nostalgia of it all. Uh, it was pretty funny. I like the contrast. I think that was actually a little bit of a nook, Nadia. It was. Oh my that god! Was a I know. Cozy nook. Wow. Yeah, I feel pretty. Even cozy. the ski ball. Even though I mentioned ski ball. Heck yeah! And that's it for this episode of Acts of the Blood God. I'm going to end it before Nadia can steer us into the pit. Uh, <laughs> I can as do I it. Know that she wants Stuff it. Stuff She'll do on it. Trips. It's going to happen. It's a threat. Uh, thank that you. Was... Sorry, I was going to say that's the trip where sprinklers <laughs> turned on me in a golf course. It's still all right. It's still a nook. <laughs> That's still nook adjacent. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see the stars, so I went out on the field because I don't get to see the stars in the, in the city. So I went out in the middle of the field, like the golf course, like, oh, man, that's beautiful. And, the, and the, the sprinklers turned on. I said, oh, shit. I was terrified someone was going to find, like, see me. Like security, like, what are you doing in the middle of the field? 
I can literally <laughs> feel Nadia just girl. pulling the wheel towards the Nadia's cliff right now. Yeah. <laughs> it can't end like this. <laughs> no, it can't. That was well, a let me trip. tell you about the sprinklers. <laughs> and then the security guards came. <laughs> and that's how oh, I, I ended up them. in jail. <laughs> <laughs> they locked me in the vault. <laughs> I've been your host, Kat Bailey. (laughs) Thank you to Nadia and Eric and to Matthew for joining us. We are heading now into the Acts of the Blood God host show where we'll be talking for a bit longer with the Stars of Destiny. And this week we're joined by Anthrax Bees, Azixa, Harvest Lunatic, JB, Cal-El, Mango Alts, Mike versus World, MX Becca, Spooky Man BR, Spirus, and Stargazer. Thank you so much. For your generous support. If you enjoy the show, go check out our merch. Merch, 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 merch. merch, merch, merch merchandising. The holiday period is here. And if you want to grace your uh your loved ones with Axe of the Blood God merchandise, hey, we've got a couple mugs, we've got pins, we've got buttons, which uh I love. I love the buttons and yeah. some amazing t-shirts and hoodies, including a brand new Nadia's nostalgia pit. Uh, you can confuse your friends with it too. Like, give them the, yeah. the merchandise from the show. Like, what the hell is this? Well, this is That's pretty metal. Find out. Yeah, just give it to the metal fan in your life. Axe of the Blood God. Let's go. Yeah. What's yeah. <laughs> your Spotify? Why are they talking? <laughs> Where's the death metal? <laughs> Where is the death metal? That's the question <laughs> that I'm asking myself all the time. We'll be back next week, as always, to talk more about the genre we love. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, and myself. Thanks for listening. 